0: So let's have God's Word open us up to Philippians chapter 2, and we'll be going from verse 14. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. And when you're there, I'll ask that you rise for the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter 2, excuse me, verse 14. This is the reading of God's Word. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, we know that these things have been spoken and written so that our joy may be full and complete. We know that this is the day that you have made, so Lord, we rejoice and are glad in it. So will you teach us further as we now all sit under your word to rejoice in you in deeper ways, Lord. We thank you and pray this in your son's name. Amen. So stop complaining. Stop arguing. Stop grumbling. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. I'm tempted to just close in prayer right then and there. (laughs) You know, the verse we have here in verse 14 uh, can seem pretty sharp and poignant, uh, simple and clear. uh, But I think there is more to it as we explore the intricacies of what happens in our hearts and our thoughts and especially in the interactions with one another. You know, a few weeks back, uh, in light of COVID, a lot of the shipments have been getting backed up. I had ordered something online and I've been tracking it and I've shared with you how one of my idols is just religiously checking, refreshing, tracking uh, where my packages are. I don't know what it is about it, but it, it really makes me feel alive, you know, and the mundane everyday gets me going. So I'm tracking a package and it's telling me it's coming from you know this part of the U.S., and now it's making its way. It arrived, and it's pending shipment, and then they received it, and it's going. And I'm getting excited. I it's getting closer and closer. And my package made it all the way to uh, Horsham, uh, UPS. And it said it was scheduled to arrive that day, so I'm excited. Every time I think I hear a creak, I check the door, I look out the window. Oh, the package didn't come yet, UPS man. My boy Frank isn't here yet. You know, and I'm checking. It didn't come that day, And then. The next day it didn't come, the following day it didn't come again, and I'm looking at the tracker and it says it's sitting in Horsham UPS. I'm trying to call, I'm getting frustrated, I'm getting worried, I'm really starting to complain. What kind of what kind of service is this? Is, is this the type of world we live in now that are just packages get lost? And ultimately I end up <laughs> disputing with uh, through my credit card company to say, hey, this package never arrived. I need you to, to uh, get my money back. I share this story because, just like you all, uh, I feel miserably in the aspect of a grumbling and complaining and being frustrated. And this is something I think we can all relate to. You know, even if you consider yourselves a grinder, a hard worker, and you have no time for any nonsense, you're irritated by the notion of something being a waste of your time and resources, You know, we we often take ourselves so seriously. We often lose ourselves in the moment, and it seems like there's not a lot of joy in the everyday moments of our life. And I wonder if you guys can all relate to that. Whether it's at work or at school, raising children, serving in the church, helping out a friend, we often feel like joy is hard to reach, but complaining and grumbling It's so easy to do. You know, uh, complaining and grumbling is not just a personal disposition or personality trait to which we say, uh, oh, you know, that's just the way I am, or that's just the way they are. But it seems here as God's Word will have us understand that it's actually a deeper issue here. It's a heart issue, and it's a, a gospel issue. Grumbling and disputing, or the other side of that joy and reasonableness, is a matter of the gospel. So I want us to explore three points this morning together, and I'm going to talk about first the nature of grumbling, second the cause for rejoicing, and finally the effects on evangelizing. So, grumbling, rejoicing, and evangelizing. Now, as we get into uh, talking about what grumbling and complaining means, I do want to set some parameters. So, let me let me begin by sharing what it's not. It seems overly obvious, but it's actually uh, pretty difficult to articulate and grasp, and it's part of the reason why we perpetually are stuck in complaining or in a mode of, of grumbling and being dissatisfied. But I also want to distinguish it from lamenting and sadness and grieving, and that those types of uh, um, uh, low uh, or even high Um, feelings of of sadness or or crying out. We see in the Bible that the prophets and even men and women uh, cry out to God. Uh, Even in the New Testament, Mark 10, uh, such a a great example here, we see that a blind man is crying out and calling out to Jesus. And this is what it says. I'll just summarize it, uh, read just a portion of it. It says, he began to cry out and say, this is the blind man, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and he said, call him. (laughs) Although Jesus stopped hearing the cries of this blind man and he said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart. Get up. He is calling you. Psalm 18, 6, we see the psalmist crying out to God. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. The heart of uh, this type of complaining or crying out is humble, it's desperate. And it's a heart that recognizes their need for God. And also in Galatians 2, we're told to bear one another's burdens as to fulfill the law of Christ. So yes, there is an aspect to which as we cry out to God and to one another that it can sound like complaining or grumbling. But I think the point that makes the difference is where is our heart? Is our heart, as we express these complaints or these crying out, a humble, supple desiring of God's grace? Or is it hardened? So in our text here, it's talking about a complaining or grumbling that is coming from a hardened heart. It alludes to the Israelites in the Exodus as they constantly cried out and berated Moses and Aaron in the desert. You know, They said, why did you take us out of Egypt so we can come out here and starve and die and, and, and be thirsty and be lost? There is constant grumbling, complaining, a a forgetting, a lack of trust. And this is what Paul is trying to get at as he pens this letter to the church in Philippi. Do all things without grumbling or questioning or disputing. So then let me tell you what it is. What what is Paul trying to get at? Grumbling. Grumbling. I just Google, I said define grumbling. Because even though these words seem very obvious, I think it helps us to nuance it. And it helps us to see our our heart actually a little bit more clear. Grumbling, it's a complaint or protest about something in a bad-tempered but typically muted way. I love that. That means it comes out in our tone, our posture, our engagement with one another. And sometimes it can be very nonverbal. It can also be translated into this understanding of complaining. What's complaining? The expression of dissatisfaction or annoyance about something. This is very verbal. It's expressive. It's articulate. It's detailed. It's nuanced. Or it can also be understood as murmuring, a subdued or private expression of discontent or dissatisfaction, a insinuation hinting at it, pointing to, alluding to, but not quite hitting the mark, a passive aggressiveness. Paul says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, disputing in general is not an all entire negative thing, but associated with this idea of a complaining and dissatisfied and discontent heart. We're told here, to avoid these things, to do all things without grumbling or disputing or questioning, questioning God and His faithfulness and His love and His provision for us. So then, if these are the things that are what Paul is getting at, how, how, how do we, you and I, often feel it? How is it expressed in our workplaces and our families and our friends? Well, this type of heart often makes us and leads us to a, a, a point of discontentment, being disf- dissatisfied, entitled. There's a grip, a gripe with God in terms of his portion for us. Why does his cookie have more chocolate chips than mine? You know, right now in, in the household, uh, everything we realize our boys need this, the same of. <laughs> we notice when we lay down a tray of snacks, now, I don't, know, I don't know what triggered them, but now they're at the point where they'll look at the other guy's plate and says, huh, that one looks like it has a little more. You know, it, it, it leads us to an inferiority complex. It can give us a victim mentality. A constant complaining, a heart that grumbles and murmurs often leads us to question our status, and we're overly concerned with our reputation or how others see us. It calls into question our worth, Our identity, our value. It can come out in in, in prideful, I deserve better than this. Why is my life like this? It can lead to bitterness and anger, frustration. It can lead us to look at other people's lives and compare out of jealousy, covet, envy. It makes us harsh, it makes us unreasonable prone to disputing and arguing and conflict and bickering. You know, others feel like you're, you're harsh and unrelenting and hard to work with, and worst of all, they feel like you are impossible to encourage. Can you relate to that? Is that, is that you? Because all I did was try to describe <laughs> the things that I feel in my heart. You know, you feel alone oftentimes in your complaints and grumbling. And no one understands, no one gets it, and you're frustrated here. Yet, our word today says, do everything without grumbling or questioning or disputing. So then what is Paul trying to lead us to? Well, we see in chapter 4, he highlights these uh, two women. He calls them out, and he calls the church out. And he says, I entreat you, and Synechi, to agree in the Lord, to rejoice, and, and to let their reasonableness be known to everyone. So if the negative command is to do everything without grumbling or disputing, then the positive aspect would be to do all things with joy and unity. And this makes sense because we see that the whole letter of Philippians is marked with with treasures and notes and flavors of joy. I know we said it time and time again, but Paul, as he is in prison, as he's struggling, as he's suffering... He is so focused on joy. And and, and he writes to this church all these examples and these exhortations, but it keeps coming back to joy as they're serving, as they're working, as they're doing the work of the kingdom to rejoice, to, to, to be cheerful in what they have in Christ. So then what is the cause for rejoicing? You know, we know that lasting joy is certainly not found in our circumstances or in something new, but it comes with a renewing of our spirit. And we talked about how Paul addresses his own deep contentment and satisfaction in the Lord. He says, I I know what it was like to be brought low and high. I know what it was like to have a lot and a little, and, and I found that I have my everything in God, that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. There is a rejoicing in Paul's life when there ought to be, to the outside world, complaints and grumbling. Brothers and sisters, I wonder if, if, if that is a mark that we are hungry for, a, a fruit that we desire in our lives, joy in times where complaining and grumbling may come more naturally. Joy in times where we can just say, man, I, Why is my life like this? I hate this. Why? Why are the circumstances like this? Joy, because in Christ we have our all in all. Alistair Begg, a pastor that I really enjoy um, listening to, he said something to the effect of Jesus is our Savior, not our supplement. And and he draws out this idea that a lot of times even as Christians we see Jesus kind of as a supplement. We take maybe once a week, maybe three times a day. And and this this is supposed to supplement and enrich our lives in such a way that maybe it can produce some joy. Or, you know, when we feel like complaining, it kicks in and you're just like, Oh, you know what? Yeah. It's gonna be a little bit more joyful, you know. But he, he he is saying that Jesus isn't just a supplement, a compliment, something that kicks in or comes alongside necessarily, but he is actually our savior. And now this might be a huge jump and a huge leap, but what what he's trying to get at is this, that Jesus is our Savior because we need saving. Our complaining, our grumbling, doesn't simply come from a subtle dissatisfaction about the way life has gone, but it comes from a deeply rooted, sinful, discontent, bitter, self-righteous, entitled heart that says, God, I don't know what you're doing, but my life stinks. I don't like the way it's going. And I want more than this. This is not what I signed up for. You know, if I had, I've had beautiful mornings. Oh, it's just good thinking about it. I had beautiful, beautiful mornings drinking coffee, watching the sunrise from my window, reading my Bible and being in prayer and being in genuine, ideal uh, moments of uh, personal devotion with the Lord. I've had beautiful morning walks on natured path as the sun came up with only the songs of birds and the sound of gravel underneath my feet. I've had drive homes where I literally wept because the joy of the gospel fell fresh again through a praise song. And at the same time, when 9 a.m. hits, when I get home, and my Offspring and progeny have asked for 50 different things. I don't want to be too specific. They're sitting in this room. That really keeps you honest as a preacher when your family and your kids, but you know when, when, when they ask me a million questions and ask for a million things, my joy goes out the window and complaining comes so fast. When floods of emails and texts come, when my parents call me and ask me to look into something, some of you guys know the phrase, 한번 pa." Just look into it for me. Can you check this out? You know, it it it's so easy to well up. And and I realized why is that the case in my life? Why is that the case for us? Because oftentimes uh, we see Christ as a supplement. If we just do enough devotionals, if we just read the Bible and pray and listen to pray songs, that it should kick in at one point. All right? If we just just do it enough, but but if, if we're really gonna get to the root of our our heart and our complaining and our grumbling and our disputing and our murmuring, then we have to go all the way back to the to the fundamental reality that we are so guilty in our sin that without Jesus, that we would just complain till we die. Without Jesus, there would be no joy and just simple utter darkness. And and, and we need to be reminded of that foundational understanding that in Jesus. We have a Savior who has stored up and sealed for all eternity our salvation, and then have that inform our daily life. See, it's different than just a prescription of, here's what you do to be happy and then stop complaining. It's deeper than that. It's here is where we would be without our Lord. But here is where we are now because of Jesus. All of eternity, all of future is secured. And if that's the case, everything else can be put under the subheading of eternal rest, eternal joy, eternal salvation, eternal love, eternal security, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the day brings. And that ought to give us a deep anchor and foothold in those moments when we're raising our children in those moments when we're interacting with coworkers, in those moments when we receive that text or email or call, and we just want to say, why do I have to deal with this right now? Why do I have to deal with this right now? That's one of the biggest lines I found that I have to repent of. Why do I have to deal with this right now? Why do I have to deal with this right now when I come home and, you know, Things are are tough in the family when I get a number of text messages and and the world seems to be coming. Why do I have to deal with this right now? My hope is that the Lord is softening us as we hear the reality that in Jesus our our, our joy is really made complete. Yes, it's in the eternal everlasting realm, but then that leaks into, invades, and permeates through the daily moments when we need it the most if we remember that He is not just our supplement in those moments, but He is our Savior who loves us and gives us strength to do all things. I've quoted this children's song a lot and I probably will continue to do in the future, but I've changed the lyrics a little bit to make it a prayer. I need the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? down in my heart. I need the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. I want to be happy, so very happy. I need the love of Jesus in my heart. And I am so happy, so very happy. I have the love of Jesus in my heart. Christian joy isn't just about a, a tendency towards cheerfulness or happy moods or emotions, but we say Christian joy is a matter of perspective. Christian joy is a an attitude, a submissive and 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 filled and satisfied understanding of who we are in Christ. Jesus is the cause for us to rejoice. Jesus is the cause for us to do all things without grumbling and disputing and complaining. Can we lay down our joyless hearts before the Lord today and ask him to soften us, to remind us of the joy that we have in him? So how do we not burn out in those moments when we just want to complain and complain and complain? Well, one way is to see the eternal value of the things that the Lord has put on our plate, allowed to come to us throughout the days. Is to see the eternal value in serving in the church. See the eternal value of kingdom work, of winning souls. Even if you're cleaning up, picking someone up, giving them a ride, clicking PowerPoint slides. To so the smallest thing to the biggest thing, to see the eternal value of what these things add up to in the eyes of our Lord Jesus. If you're raising your kids to see the moments of discipline and, and teaching your children as a way of rearing them in the love of the Lord, uh, mom and dads, I can tell you from uh, a few brothers and sisters that I've walked with in the youth group and college and even now that that, that your children will know God the Father, Jesus the Brother, and the nurture of the Holy Spirit by their experiences with you and their relationship with you. Mom and Dads, that your children will have the categories and the understandings and the reservoirs to understand God, Christ's love, and the ministering of the Holy Spirit by the way they interact and have a relationship with you. What a joy that is. I know there's also fear because we're like, oh man, that I'm not doing a good job, but that's okay. But what a joy it is that, that as you raise your children, in those daily moments of difficulties and, and discipline, in those moments where you have to sit them down, that those are moments that they're not just learning how to be a, a good person in society. They're not just learning good manners or good behaviors, but... They're learning in, in, in a deep and subtle way that will impact them for the rest of their lives what it means to be loved by the Lord, disciplined by Him, shown grace and to be guided, not just to be a better person, but to be a follower of Jesus who can have joy in this life no matter what school they go to or job they get, who they marry and what zip code they live in. What a joy it is. In a workplace... And I've given this challenge to us before. What if we see it more than a place that we punch in and out and just receive a paycheck? What if we see it as a place where we can really evangelize and grow in Christ likeness for ourselves and just to see the paycheck as a bonus? Is that too crazy? Is that radical to say? The paycheck is just a bonus? The Christian life, yeah, I think so. If everything is about worshiping and loving and praising the Lord and growing in Christ's likeness and winning souls for the kingdom, then everything else subsequent to that is a bonus. It's a joy. But these things are only possible if we have the joy of Christ. Tim Keller says that the Christian life is not onto joy, but out of joy. The, the joyfulness can only come if, if deep down in our hearts we have the love of Jesus. Joy doesn't just come twisted and translated and filtered but a joy a, a deep lasting personal experiencing joy comes from having the love of jesus in our hearts securing up our identity securing up our value securing up our days in those moments as it tells us you know even in these difficult annoying moments that you could complain about i'm growing you i'm working you How many times have we prayed to grow in Christ, to be sanctified, and when those sanctifying moments come, we're just like, why do I have to deal with this right now? Brothers and sisters, friends, do you know that Jesus loves you, treasures you, walks with you, guides you, leads you, provides for you, sustains you, teaches you? Do you know that Jesus has gone before you and has prepared a room for you in his Father's house? Do you know that even though You may face all kinds of trials and struggles and disappointments that Jesus has sealed your eternal joy with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that you can do all things through him who strengthens you? Joy in Christ leads to a deep satisfaction, a fulfillment, a sense of being content. It gives us a genuine humility. It allows us to focus on eternal things that leads us and informs our temporal things. It gives us a soft and tenderness, a teachableness, a graciousness, a cheer and a joy. So why does Paul encourage and challenge the church to not do anything in grumbling and questioning and disputing, but rather to do it in joy and in unity? Well, I'll conclude with our last point, because it has an effect on evangelizing. Paul, as he writes this uh, verse, do all things without grumbling or questioning. He goes on to say that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. If I can ping us to Matthew five, Jesus says a very similar thing here. He says, "In uh, the same way, let your light shine before others, so that you may see, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven." This is saying then, joy. When uh, the, the best testimony and best witness, tangibly speaking. Because yes, you do need to speak it. It is a word that is spoken and preached and proclaimed. But just as powerful as that is a Christian who lives their life in whatever circumstances and difficulties may arise with a joy in their hearts. That that when someone sees a Christian who has a, a genuine joy in their life, that they will see that and say, where does that joy come from and how can I have it? And I know it's so cliche because that's that's kind of been the evangelical church's company line. Be so happy and joyful that someone asks, boy, where can I get that joy? You know, it's it sounds so trite because it's kind of been marketed that way. That the Christian joy is about, you know, getting others to see your life and say, wow, I wonder where that joy came from. But it's true. it's, It's a way to testify to what we believe in. It's a way to witness and show that my joy is secured and anchored in such a way that no circumstances can uproot it. My joy is secured in the fact, not simply that in this life that God will be faithful and take care of me, but for all eternity I will have rest and peace and joy with Him. Paul doesn't simply instruct the church to to stop complaining because they need to mature and be more adult-like. Paul encourages and challenges the church in Philippi to have joy Because it's a way we can win souls for the Lord. It's a way the Lord uses our lives in many ways to be lights in this dark world. I want to give us some time to reflect. And I'm sorry if I'm leaving you hanging in some of your thoughts and emotions, but can we go to the Lord in prayer right now as we close?